0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached.
1: Sias, you can come up so long. We have the privilege of hearing from Sias, and um, he's a a real adventurer. I think Sias has been to more countries to do missions than he's even allowed to tell us. I think there are certain countries that he's been to that he can't even mention, that um but uh, yeah, God's really given him a heart for the nations. He's a real evangelist. Uh, and you see it in, in Stellenbosch in the congregation that he pastors there. Uh, I had the privilege of preaching there this past Sunday. And it's just wonderful to see those um, students on fire for the Lord. And um, one thing that I know that CS is big on is, is really encountering God and experiencing God. And I just want to encourage you and, 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 and challenge you. Let's not... Let's not sit here this morning and just be spectators. I mean, it's so easy in our modern age to be influenced by culture and come to God and come to church as little spiritual consumers, expecting spiritual goods and services. Um, But God wants us not to be spectators or consumers, but participants. We We are here to participate and to worship him. We are here to respond to him. We are, we are here to, to, to receive everything as much as he has for us and then to give as much of ourselves in return. And, and I know that's Sias' art. So let's, let's really, while we're listening to Sias, let's already start responding and make up our, our minds that, that at the end of the service we, we're really going to respond to the Lord. We're really going to respond from our hearts to what the Lord says to us through him. Thanks, Sias. Yes. We look forward to hearing what you have to say. Thank you, Pastor Henny. <clears throat> sure, I um, sometimes come to
0: churches and they put a little box so that I can stand on the box. So those at the back, if you want to move closer, um, but it's great to be here. Um, <clears throat> I'm short, but my angel is very tall. So just be be careful for those people who lo- laughed so loud, especially Stefan over there. It was just great to send greetings from Cape Town. Uh, we used your pastor a lot. I gave him all the difficult questions to come and uh, you know talk to at, with the students. It was actually amazing. Uh, so thanks, Henny. Thanks for borrowing him for a week for us there as we did a lot of Jesus Week and so many people got saved and just connected to the Lord. A lot of young people, and it's just great to see some old faces, some new faces. Uh, some of them have like Helen. And all the people that's been there in Stellenbosch—it's just great to to have you. I oh, also brought the crowd. They must laugh at all my jokes, you know. So stand up, Jagen. Stand up, Loan, and Marco. I heard learned something now. Um, <clears throat> Mama, just when she says stand up, it's just much more authority than what I have, you know. <laughs> They're still thinking, just so, stand up, you know. Then oh, you know. So I'm going to call her up for the altar call at the end, and she's going to say, stand up, and we're going to stand, or stand up, eh? Uh, when you're 70 years old, you just, you know, you, everybody just, <clears throat> hallelujah. Um, but um, I always like to start, before we're going to pray, just, um, it's always amazing. I don't take for granted to be able to share the Word of God. I used to stutter when I was small uh, because of a root of rejection and a just fear of speaking in front of people. Uh, So when I was in in primary school, and then I went to high school, grew up very religiously, and then in grade um, 9... I committed my life <clears throat> to the Lord. I went to a teacher. I said to him, uh, Mr. Smith, the Jesus that you serve and the Jesus that I serve is not the same Jesus. I want to know that Jesus. On the 4th of April 1989, I went on my knees, committed my life to Christ. Uh, within 2 weeks was filled with the Holy Spirit. God healed me uh, from stuttering. I could speak and then he said to me, you're going to talk in front of people. I laughed for 2 days. I don't know if it was a laugh or a cry, but I just realized like wow, okay? And, uh, and the other thing is, he said, you're going to go to other nations. Um, I was afraid of traveling, but uh, I had to overcome that because I've been to more than sixty nations. Just seeing what God is doing, uh, especially in the Middle East. You know, the church is not growing in the West, um, but in the Middle East, God is doing amazing things. In nations like Brazil, nations like Iran, nations like Afghanistan, uh, God is moving uh, his glory is covering the the earth like the waters is covering the sea, and so I want to encourage us this morning to open up our hearts. As we're going to talk about, behold the Lamb, something very simple, but something I felt this week. I just woke up with this these words to come and encourage us. So let's pray, Lord. We want to see you for who you are this morning, Lord. We want to behold you, Lord. Open up the eyes of our understanding so that we can know you, Lord. Know the power of your resurrection, know the fellowship of your sufferings, but also know you intimately. We are here to know you, Lord, and we cannot do it without the help of your Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we just consecrate our eyes, our ears, our mouths, our lives to you. And we say, let your kingdom come. You are high and lifted up. Lord, the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is to come. And so, Lord, take our hearts, take our lives as we consecrate it to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to jump straight into it in John chapter 1, verse 29. There's um, John the Baptist. Uh, he comes walking up, and Jesus is there, and it's the start of sort of the, the gospel. And it's so amazing what he says. He says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold! It's an exclamation mark, so that's how we should read scripture, okay? Behold! Yeah, okay, so it wasn't like behold, it wasn't a silent thing. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Again the next day. So the second day, again, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God! <laughs> now, it's, um, John was quite a, a, a guy, you know, the Baptist. He was like uh, sort of transitioning the Old Testament into the new one. And um, and so this extraordinary moment of the introduction uh, to Jesus, you know, uh, the exclamation of uh, saying when you look at him, you're going to see him for a certain way, and it's so important that as Christians that we um, submit ourselves to this revelation of who Jesus is. There's a lot of people with the prosperity gospel that's looking to the one who blesses us, or the one who needs peace, or looking for peace, or the one who looks, le- needs healing, maybe, or looking to the to the healer, but. But primary focus of Christ in in the New Testament starting and right to the book of Revelation is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth. The one who was and who is and who is to come. So you and I need to practice and say, hey, uh, he is the Lamb of God. Yeah? And, it, and it's so important, you know, as John shouted this, that uh, he saw something. And, you know, the Proverbs 2 says that the foundation, or if you really want to know the fear of God, you need to ask for discernment, wisdom, and understanding. You know, discernment is the ability to see, the ability to behold. Now, we are in a generation, we have a lot of students there in Stellenbosch, you know, they know how to behold. It's like hours and hours beholding. And so the question is, what is taking all of your attention? What are you looking at? Because what you worship, you will become. What you behold, you will become. It is so important that you and I realize that, you know, there's a lie going on that says, actually, maybe God is boring. Maybe God is just this old man with a stick up there. But the Bible talks about the beauty of his holiness. The beauty, will you say that? The beauty of his holiness God is beautiful. It's like, you know, the, the the biggest word you will say in eternity is wow. Would you agree with me? Who agrees with me? Say that word, wow. Raise your hand. Wow, wow. No, you're all wrong. Doctrinally, it is Jesus. That's the word we're gonna say the most. But the second word we're gonna say is wow. Amen. Okay, I always catch people out on that one. But so wow. Just just practice it. Just say wow. Okay. Because we're going to say that in heaven for millions of years and you're not going to get bored. The angels doesn't get bored about saying, holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. But we lose our focus because sometimes the voices or what we see in our circumstances or what we see from our past, you know, there's a a lot of stuff that would veil us not to see who he is. And that's why John, when he introduces Jesus, he says, Behold, look, look carefully, because there's a lot of people that are going to say other things about this Jesus. Some are going to say he's Elijah. Some are going to say even he's John the Baptist. Some are going to say a lot of things about him. But what do you say when you see him? And so uh, we are very distracted as people in the West because we are so busy. And we don't, we're not present with God. Many times we're not even present with each other. So what we do is we sit at the table and we eat lunch or dinner together, but we don't, we, we don't know what it means to be present. And so you need to learn to be present with God. You know, I was... Um, story that changed my life was one day at at church and uh, we the church in Stellenbosch we went through quite a bit of a crisis and it was just I I really felt like I'm sitting in a little ship and there's 20 holes in the ship and I've got 10 fingers to try and you know uh, put it into those 20 holes you know so this thing was sinking and it was sinking fast yeah and uh, the church was going through a massive crisis and so I'm standing there and I feel like I've I've got 20 bags of cement on my shoulders. Now I need to go and tell the people, find hope in Jesus. You know, he loves you. And you think like, oh, this, this thing is going to sink, you know. And um, <clears throat> so I'm standing in front and people are worshiping like we worship this morning. And I'm sort of like trying to psych myself up. And a little nine-year-old boy comes and he sort of tugs here at my uh, trousers. And, he's just, and he says, um, uncle, why are you worrying so much? And I'm thinking, oh, here comes the word of the Lord. You know, <laughs> He says, there's lots of bags of cement. He was speaking in Afrikaans, on your shoulders. You know, I'm thinking like, oh, you know, the Lord is speaking. Now, that's just before I need to go and preach, you know. And then he says, Uncle, why do you worry so much? He asked me a second time. He says, because do you know what happened when I walked into the door of the church this morning? Is somebody greeted me. And... I sort of walked past, and and I stopped, and I looked, and I saw that he's got bare feet. Then I realized, but there's holes in his feet. And then I looked at his hands, and I saw there were holes through his hands. And it was Jesus that greeted me at church. Did you greet him? So I fell on my face (laughs) and I just wept (laughs) because I realized I even came to church, but I didn't recognize that Jesus was there. Took a little nine year old boy (laughs) to say, Hey pastor, what are you looking at? Because sometimes we do get overwhelmed by our circumstances. Sometimes there's pain in our body and we're so drawn down, but, but that's where we have to behold. That's when we have to say, I, I, I take my eyes off the people around me, the things around me, the distractions. I want to behold. Behold the Lamb. And so it's so beautiful to behold means to gaze upon, to stare, to observe, to seek, to look upon something intently. Sure. You know, I, I can't see very far without these glasses. So if I, if I have it, you know, and I'm a bit colorblind. So if you have a red thing somewhere there in a the green pastures, I just can't see. Then I really need to like focus, you know. But sometimes it takes, takes some focus to intently observe, to intently look. Because God isn't like just going to flash himself to us. He's not just going to like jump in front of the road when you are distracted. And that's why he says he speaks to us even in mysteries. And it's an invitation to come closer. He says, Behold. It's amazing. Lots of other people looked at Jesus in different ways. They wanted him to overthrow the Roman Empire. They wanted him to do a lot of things. You know, <clears throat> can I tell you a story? Just raise your hand if I can tell you some testimonies. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, lots of testimonies. We're going to go for them. But... So I have a friend in Af- uh, who ministers in Afghanistan. And in Af- Afghanistan is the fastest growing church in the world. And, uh, but everything is very secretive, and that's why we need to pray for what is happening there. And through Shofar and a lot of churches, that we could get some people out in the past couple of weeks. Just yesterday, they got out another family. Because there, you don't know you have. You don't know who's, who's the people under you. There's just you'll know a couple of Christians uh, for the sake of persecution. Uh, And so most of their training would happen in caves, in in darkness, complete darkness. So when you go into the training, you don't know who you're going to train. Because if they catch you, you won't be able to say, well, that guy and that guy and that guy for the sake of persecution. Uh, you'll train them in darkness, you know. And so one day they had a massive crisis because there's about 14 of them sitting in this cave in darkness. It's the second day, and they, they're they training and teaching on the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so they start to pray for the guys, and, and there were some ladies as well. So came to the last guy, lay hands on him, and uh, said, be filled with the Holy Spirit because they wanted to know the Holy Spirit. All the teaching was on it. And the next moment, the guy in the cave started to glow. <laughs> like Moses... His face shone. <laughs> so they had a ma- major crisis because now they know who was there. You know? <laughs> so I was thinking like, wow, it's a different kind of training. You know? But you know, as we have church even today, 20 people would die for their faith. 20 people would physically lay down their life for Jesus. The question is, what is your Christianity costing you? What is it costing you? What's it costing me? But if we're consumers and we love our comfort zones and we're just like, hey, Lord, come and bless me, you never have the opportunity to partake, to behold the Lamb of God. Then it's always going to be just like something you do. But God says, come, I want to know you. Come closer. So to gaze upon, to stare, to look upon. I want I us to go to a scripture in Isaiah chapter 53. Are you, are you still with me? Okay, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 to 7. And this is, this is so amazing. If you, if you struggle to believe in God, then just go and study Old Testament prophecies concerning Jesus. <laughs> there were more than 300 prophecies that t- told us who Jesus would be and the coming Messiah. Now, Isaiah 53 is one of those beautiful prophecies, you know. 700 years before Jesus lived. Isaiah prophesied. And I'm just taking a part of it, but it's, it's so, so beautiful how he prophesied about the lamb that was coming and certain things that would happen. Now we, we get a lot of them. This, this is sort of in the middle of a, a couple of prophecies concerning the serving, the servant sufferer, sufferer the, the Messiah that would be a servant and suffering. You know, they got it mixed up a little bit because uh, the rabbis started to prophesy and say, No, he's going to first come and reign and then he will suffer later because, they, because of the oppression of the Romans in the time of Jesus. And that's why many wanted him to actually overthrow the Roman Empire. But Isaiah prophesied clearly that he would first come to suffer and then at his second coming come to reign. And that's the hope that we have about this Lamb of God, you know? And so in Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was crushed for our iniquities. This chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. What 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 a prophecy <laughs> He was crushed, he was bruised. He was. He took all of our weights and cement bags and everything on his shoulders so that you and I can be healed by the stripes of Jesus. Do you know that that what that stripes was like, just hitting his back with, you know, open with those lashes of just iron pulling off and out his flesh. You know, I, I don't think we we you know the whole the whole idea of of the crucifixion. You know the excruciating pain. is out of the cross. That's where we get that word from. And, and so the revelation of God to mankind starts with this suffering servant. The one, you know, and if you want to go and read it, go read Philippians chapter 2. It's beautiful. It says he, he made himself of no reputation and he humbled himself even to the point of death. You know, we serve the most amazing God, leaving that place of worship to come and serve sinners like you and me and then take our place. Isn't that crazy? Now, what begins to happen in our lives is we become professional Christians. Yeah? We we become like, yeah, 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 you know. I, I sang about the cross 20 years ago. But the more you get to know God, the more, the greater the revelation of the cross. And you realize like, wow, everything centers around what Jesus did on the cross. Everything after that explains what he did on the cross. Everything in the Old Testament points towards that one moment when he says, It is finished. But when we, when we stop losing that ability to focus, you know, then, then we get so distracted because, hey, it's more my, my doctrines. It's more my experiences. And, and we start to worship our supernatural experiences sometimes. Sometimes we worship our doctrines and sometimes we put so many things that our main thing doesn't remain our main thing. <laughs> and so the question this morning is again is like, what are you beholding? What are you looking at, you know? And the, and the more you, you start to behold, the more you'll start to surrender. Because that's the response of when you see who he is, you surrender. You know, if you, if you look at the other John, you know, the, the one of the disciples that they couldn't kill, and eventually they banned him to Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelations. Do you know that that John, he worshipped God and served Jesus for 60 years. And then in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says when he saw Jesus for who he really was, he fell down front, on the front on his face as if dead. <laughs> so, so how are you going to look at Jesus 60 years from now? Or at the end of your life? He served Jesus for around about 60 years since he met him as a young disciple. And when he really saw him for who he was, he felt like like he was like dead. <laughs> you know, the Bible doesn't like just say say little words. You know, he fell on his face like dead. You know, have you seen a dead person? They, they, it looks like they don't breathe anymore. There's nothing left in them. You know, you know, it's, and that's why Scripture even tells us, hey, be, you know, deny yourself, die to self. You know. Uh, I think there's too many Christians that are not dead yet because there's too many opinions flying around, you know? <laughs> too many people have too many opinions and criticism and negative stuff, but but you're supposed to be dead, hey? A dead corpse doesn't speak, doesn't really even have an opinion. Sure. But there's too so many opinions around the throne of God, you know, people want to tell him what he must do and I remember there was a guy that I met in from Uganda and he was very involved in the massive move of God in Uganda and and they prayed for I think four or five years and at the end of five years of praying hours I think was seven or eight hours a day at the end of that the Lord asked him a question and said his name was also John he said John do you think I as God need counsel and he said, No Lord, definitely not. You the Lord of the universe. You measure the universe in the palm of your hand, you know, and then quoted all the scriptures back to God. And then the Lord asked him again, John, do you think I need counseling? He says, No, Lord, you don't. And and you know when God keeps on asking you a question, then at the third time, rather keep quiet. Just say, Lord, speak. What do you actually want to say? Because you know? <laughs> he's not asking because he doesn't know the answer. It just means like we're thick-headed. We don't want to listen. You know? <laughs> so he said, the Lord asked him a third time, John, do you think I need counseling? He said, and the Lord said to him, but John, every time you come to me in prayer, you tell me what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. But that's after five years of praying seven or eight hours a day. <laughs> See, because we want to bring God down to our level, and then we pray from our circumstances, and we say, Oh, Lord, help you! Oh, Lord, please be with me. And, and even that scripture isn't really biblical. Lord, please be with me. He said, Lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. So much of our prayer should rather be surrender, Lord, like, Lord, show me who you are. Lord, I want to know you. It's, it's worship. It's beholding. Behold the Lamb of God. You know, but, but we, we want to counsel God. We, we want to tell him, Lord, you're not so good at this thing, you know, of being the king of the universe, you know. Let me just give you some advice here, you know. Can I be your second advisor, you know. You know, just, just, just let me tell you what to do here in this family. And so, prayer should be much more surrender. Lord, more of you, less of me. Lord, come and uh, come and take all. You know, come, come and take all of this. There's so much opinion left here. But Lord, I want to. I want to know you. And I, I want to just say to somebody here, uh, because you believe the lie that God is boring. He's not boring. The more you see Him, the more you want to know Him. The more you want to grow closer to Him. The more you want that revelation of who he is. The wow. Never lose your wow. But see, I love what Reinhard Bunker says. He says, dignity is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But we become dignified. We become professional Christians. We become like, hey, I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. You know, 20 years ago, I also went on missions, you know, and there I saw a miracle or two, but, you know, that's amazing. But now, now I am mature and dignified. I drink prune juice every morning. And let's not be serious because we can't laugh in front of the Lord, you know. And then we start quoting old King James, Unto thyeth cometh henceforth to believe thy delivereth as thy unto thy kingdometh, You know. You say, what? Talk naturally, you know. But we lose our childlikeness. We lose our wow. And the Lord says the only way you can enter the kingdom of heaven is when you become like a child. When you be, you'll be born again first. You can't enter without being born again. And then he says after you got born again, you must become like children. And we're not saying childish. You have to take responsibility for your life. You have to take responsibility for the scriptures. You have to take responsibility for the relationship and the revelation you walk in. But why do we lose our child likeness? Then, wow. That wow. That ability to ask questions. You know, if you have a two-year-old or four-year-old, they say like, okay, go brush your teeth. Why? <laughs> because it's good for you because I say so. <laughs> you can ask why. You can ask. You know, don't. You know, it's just like God wants relationship with you. If you don't understand something, then ask him. Because, hey, but, but we become professional. You know? Because why, if we do professional Christianity, we can keep God at a distance and we can control him. And we can also control people. And God says, hey, are you willing to fall on your face? <laughs> are you willing? So, so John John the Baptist wasn't quiet and he was quite an extraordinary guy. But he says, behold the lamb. <laughs> yeah? And everybody's like, what's happening here? You know, this guy's already weird. Locust and eating all these weird stuff and all that stuff, you know but it's crazy behold the lamb you see um when if we forget how big god is and who he is then we will not never be implicitly obedient because we can't trust him if we don't see how big he is and so a lot of christians a lot of us we struggle with trust issues because it's about control see we we have become masters of controlling our environment <laughs> We become masters of controlling like God, you know. And then, you know, I have a, I have a friend, and, and he's, he's, quite, he's, he's quite wild. Um, and we, we met him up there in Nigeria. Nigeria is, is a wild place as well, some, some places, especially the north. And he said, one evening he was lying in bed, and he woke up with a voice saying, jump out of the window. The only problem was, it was a third story. But he knew it was God, so he jumped up, ran out, jumped out of the window. As he was jumping out of the window, two people broke into the room with AK-47s and started shooting the room to pieces. He fell down three stories, didn't break a leg, and ran. (laughs) Now, Now, that's for us sometimes like weird stories, you know. But you know, that is the norm for many Christians, there's a, there's a book I want to encourage you, if you get it, to read it, Insanity of Obedience. You know, it talks about the church in the Middle East. And the, he says, this guy writes stories, this is an American guy, writes stories of what's happening in the Middle East. And so he goes to the pastor and he says, like Pastor, you must, you must write stories about all these miracles that you are experiencing every day. Why don't you guys write it down? And the pastor sort of gets a frown and is very gracious with him. But he takes him to the window and he says to him, You know this, and he tells him, look at the sun. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Look at the sun. The sun comes up every day. I don't wake up my child and say, like, hey, look, the sun has come up today again. Because why? That's normative for us. So we don't need to write about all these stories. We just go and read in the Bible because it's there. Don't you read your Bible? That's normal Christianity. Signs, wonders, miracles, small and big But sometimes in the West, we think we're living normal Christianity, but we're not. We're living comfortable Christianity. And so the invitation is like, hey, who is this God that we know? Who is the one that we serve? The disciples asked the same question when they calmed the storm. They said like, who is this one, you know? Who is this God in Mark chapter 5, Mark 4 and 5? And then Jesus doesn't answer. He just calmed the storm and they go to the other side. And then they find these This guy running down from the tomb, you know, that was naked and just like full of demons, a legion of demons inside of him. But they just asked the question, who is this one that calmed the storm and even the winds and the waves obey him? And then the demons inside of this man, as he falls down, says like, what have we got to do with you, son of the most high God? (laughs) Because the demons know who he is. The question is, do we know who he is? And i tell you another story. I'm must, going to must start picking up some speed. Okay. There was a lady that was with me at school, and she, um, she completely, she went into s- satanic stuff and witchcraft and a lot of stuff, and she lost her mind completely. She went to a place, we call it Green Roofs in Cape Town, where all the people get locked up and chained up that has lost their mind. And four nurses prayed for her for four years. Her name is Tarina, and she got saved. She got radically saved, radically came to a sound mind, like the man in Mark chapter 5. And so she came out after a while, after rehabilitation, a lot of things. And I met up with her, and I said, like, wow, this is an amazing testament. And she, she told me the story. She said to me that when she walked in the streets, she could by a model see who the spirit-filled Christians were. They were like glowing. And she couldn't like cast curses on them or do anything. She would actually go to the other side of the road many times. Because she just realized they had so much light. And she says, but one thing bugged her all the time is they never knew how much light they carried. They looked defeated. She was shocked that the Christians didn't know how much light they were shining in the spiritual world. You see, when you switch on the light, the darkness flees. <laughs> so too many people are too afraid of the darkness. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you have fear in your heart, just let Jesus be the light. The darkness flees. You can go look anywhere you want to. You cannot find darkness if these lights are on. Come on. Amen. That was a good place to say, "Amen, okay. <laughs> Just, just shake your neighbor and say, hey, he's going to pick up speed now. He's got 10 minutes left, and then we're going to pray for each other. I want you, I want you to go and read this, but in Revelation chapter 5, and I'm not going to go through all of this, but in, in verse 3, there's this moment where there's a crisis in heaven. Who's going to open up the scrolls? <laughs> yeah, Who's worthy to open up the scroll? And no one in heaven or on the earth, verse 3, or under the earth was able to open up the scroll or look at it. So there's a, there's a crisis. So, so John, the same John that fell on his face, says, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose his seven seals. And what did he do? I looked. And when he looked, he saw the lion or he saw the root of David. No, when he looked, he saw something else. And behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it has been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So he saw the lamb in the middle of the attraction of the heavenlies. (laughs) You see, it's so easy to go to God and say like, Lord, just open up the scroll because hey, then you'll be the lion. Then you'll be this. Then you'll be that. But when you really behold him, there's a lamb that was slain for all of your sins. For all of your shortcomings. And as you come closer, you surrender more. But we are control freaks. Sorry, I'm going to say it again. We love to control and we, therefore we try to control God. We say, Lord, Lord, I'm going to give you 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening. And definitely I'm going to come to church and small group. That's so important. That's all we give God. Let's never draw God down to our level. He says, come to me, although I'm weary and heavy laden. Come, come closer. Come, behold who I am. And it's the, the, the Bible says it's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. He pleasures to release all these things, his healing, his salvation, all that stuff. But when we come, let's not get distracted of why we're here, to worship him. Another scripture that you can go and read is in Revelation chapter 19, where it says, this guy, also John, says, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> These are the true sayings of God and I fell at his feet to worship him, you know. Isn't it amazing? John had to have like real strong kneecaps in Revelations, eh? Elbows, everything. I I think that's where the skateboarders got their stuff from, you know, because you know, and probably a bleeding nose as well, because John fell a lot, you know. And and it wasn't it wasn't just like, you know, just a little year and there, it was like boom, you know, <laughs> fell as if dead. Boom, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna end with the with the last story. There's a there's a pastor Uh, that I know from from uh, Malawi and he used to uh, pray he was earnestly looking for God to speak to him audibly okay how many of you would like God to speak to you audibly one day or lower your hand quickly because you're going to think about this after (laughs) so he was praying for many years say God speak to me audibly Uh, and um, and then one day God spoke yeah and God said to him Henry it's his name that's all God said Henry and he says, he just fell flat on his face. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, and then God spoke again. Very profound words. Word. Henry. <laughs> the second time, you yeah? know. And he says it felt like lightning going through his whole body. Like he was just putting his fingers into an electricity box. <laughs> you know. Then he passed out. You yeah? know. And uh, God spoke to him another time. Just said his word, his name. You know. Uh, he was unconscious I think uh, unconscious for four or five days his, his wife and everybody had to drag him onto the bed he just lied there passed out for many days many people came to visit and they got healed instantly as they just walked into the room they just got healed they just got delivered but he was just lying there you know after four or five days he stood up and he said um Lord, thank you for speaking to me audibly, but never do it again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because he, he realized, like, well, you must be careful what you ask for, you know. <clears throat> and the reason I'm telling that story is because we make God very small. We we try to make him a, a South African God, or we try to make him a cultural God, and, and he cannot be boxed in. He's outside of time. He's outside of... Our even cognitive abilities, our ability to try to think of how big it is, because that's why you're gonna for millions of millions of years just say, Wow, wow, behold the Lamb. Yeah, but we harden our hearts. We get hurt sometimes because of relationships. We become professional Christians many times. We just go on through the motion many times, and then we forget the ability to behold. We do exactly the same in our marriages, we do it with our kids, we do it with the people around us, and so, so when you come to God and you say, God, show me who you are, then you have to rid yourself of your own identity and take up the righteousness of Christ, because you can only come to Him through who Christ is. And there's this beggar sitting at the street, you know, on, on this road as Jesus is walking up to Jerusalem. And he's crying out, and everybody says, be quiet. But you know that beggar had to take off his jacket? And that jacket represented his finances, his money, because he was known by the fact if you wore a specific jacket, people would give to you as they go up to Jerusalem to worship. They had to give alms to the people sitting next to the road. So he had to let go of a lot of his own securities and insecurities. And everybody said to him, be quiet, be quiet. Jesus hasn't got time for you. <laughs> but the disciples eventually brought him. It says, like, And then Jesus, when he stands in front of him, says, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that amazing? Everybody knew he was blind. But Jesus still asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He says, Lord, that I can see. Maybe today it's not natural, but it's a spiritual sight that you need. <laughs> Maybe you're just going through the motions, and the invitation today is, Behold the Lamb. He's a God of miracles. I've seen God raise people from the dead. I was more shocked than anybody else. I try to convince the dead guy that he's not alive, you know? <laughs> because most of the time is when Jesus moves, then you know what? You're the most shocked. <laughs> I've seen Jesus open up ears, people that were born deaf, born blind, 20 years later, he just did it like this. I'm more shocked. I think like, whoa, you know. (laughs) So who is this Jesus that we are serving? The disciples asked it many times. Who is this Christ? Who is this person? But there's also a time when he comes to you and says, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And you know what Jesus says? He says, blessed are you, Simon Barger. Now, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. It's not through your own effort. It's not through you trying to be a nice Christian, but my Father in heaven. And he will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. It's when we walk in revelation knowledge of who he is. And so the invitation is. Who is Jesus to you? Who's the father to you today? Will you stand with me today? As we're going to just take a moment to pray and and just consecrate ourselves because like I said sometimes we become professional Christians. <laughs> yeah, but you know I've been here in the church. I'm am like a pastor in the church. I'm I'm like um you know I'm I'm like a head bishop elder here in Soweto Johannesburg, you know. The people actually kissed my ring already, you know? (laughs) It's just amazing with how much nonsense we can keep ourselves busy with. Status and stuff. And sorry, your name is not going to be mentioned in heaven. My name is not going to be mentioned in heaven. Shofar's name is not going to be mentioned in heaven. There's going to be no orange flags in heaven. It's not going to be like a door, oh, this is the orange flag people, you know. Oh, and there goes the noisy Nigerians. Oh, let's go with them. You know? Oh, no, those are those like, there's going to be no cultural flags. There's going to be no racial flags. There's going to be no names except one name. And we need to practice that that name is on our lips now. Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus, Jesus. No other name. No other name worthy to be praised, no other name written on our hearts, but His name. There's an old song, any? I don't know if you heard that song. You know, it's, His name is like honey to my lips. How does it go? His name is like what's the next part? Like water, like water to my soul, Jesus. Sure, that you know you must be at your age, not mine. But in any case, hallelujah. Okay. That's your name is like honey to my lips, like water to my soul, Jesus. So the invitation this morning is like, if you're standing in front of him, do you have eyes only for him? In the Middle Eastern church, they all talk about the one who has fire in his eyes, the man with the white robe that has fire in his eyes. And he's most probably not like the little pictures we see of a white Jesus. I think he was actually more dark-skinned than white in any case. So, so let's just forget about cultural stuff. But have you looked into his eyes? Have you looked into his eyes, the one who has fire in his eyes? That's what John talks about all the time. The one who has fire in his eyes. It's attractive. It burns away all sin. But he talks about love. He is love. He doesn't do loving things. He is love. So will you close your eyes for a moment? I'm going to ask you today. I'm just coming here throwing a bomb here. And just say hallelujah. But I want you to respond. And not on your terms. On his terms. So today if you are have a hardened heart. Today if you're here and you do not know Jesus. Today if you've become a professional Christian. You're just going through the motions. If, if you yeah, have experienced him 10 years ago or 20 years ago, maybe in worship or here and there, but he's not the lover of your soul. Then this isn't condemnation. We repented, we come to him, we say, Lord, I repent of distraction. I've allowed the devil to lie to me, the father of lies. But I want to come to the father of truth. So I want to invite you today to again renew your vows to Jesus. <laughs> Renew those words like we do in our marriages many times. Say, Lord, help me to for, for, remember, not to forget. So if that's you today, I want you to raise your hand right where you're on. Just say, hey, I want to pray that prayer. Because it's it's not about fancy stuff. It's not about fancy psych-up music. It's, not about, it's about you and Jesus. And today, just wants to freshen and release a fragrance. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been challenged and have been offended and some of you have gone through everything that life can throw at you. But that Jesus is still the same. He is faithful and true. Faithful and true. Even when we are unfaithful, He remains faithful. So I'm going to ask you to come. If you've raised your hand, this is going to be a bold step because maybe even a small group leader, it doesn't matter. We all need to renew our vows. (laughs) We all need to say, hey, wife, I love you. Not because you said it 20 years ago. You have to say it every day. It? Every day. So if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you just to come to the front. And we're going to just sing a worship song together. As we just come to Him. And if you come to Him for the first time, then I want you to say yes to that. Say yes to Jesus. And maybe you can just all line up. Or if you want to kneel, you can kneel. We're going to, we're going to just take a moment. And we're not yet to psych you up or to try and make fancy stuff. Because it's really God that does it. Eh? It's when we surrender and we say yes. And we just say to the Lord, Lord, here am I. Take, take all of me. I want to see the fire in your eyes. So I'm going to pray, pray for us. And uh, maybe you, you want to pray after me or use your own words. Just of renewing our hearts to Him. You know, life is difficult. Life isn't easy. Life throws everything at you. The devil throws everything at you. But there is a lover of your soul. His name is Jesus. There is a lamb that was slain for your sins, for your weights, for the bags of cement on your heart, on your shoulders. And he's the healer. He's the one who restores. It's not going to take months or years. He does it in an instant because he can do it. Maybe in your marriage today, maybe in your relationships, there's just hardness of heart. There's no... Then you know what? Maybe you've messed up. Just come to Him. Behold the Lamb of God. So here we are today, Lord. This morning. As you renew your vows to us, we want to renew our vows to you, Lord. Thank you that you love me. will not you just say that? Thank you that you love me, Lord. And that you died on a cross to take all my sin, all my suffering, and came to serve a sinner like me. So here I am, Lord. Take everything. And heal me. And save me. Give me life, Lord. And life in abundance. I bring you my hardened and heart. And ask that you make it soft again. Lord, that sweet-smelling fragrance of Jesus... Release that in my heart and in my life and in my relationships. I thank you this morning that you are here. You are Emmanuel, God with me, God with us. And I thank you that your blood speaks and witnesses of the finished work of your love. I thank you for the cross. And today, again, I put on the helmet of salvation. The joy of my salvation, Lord. I thank you for your joy in my heart. I thank you for your peace in my life. I come to surrender control. Come and take all of me, Lord, as a worship song to you. More than what I sing, it's my heart today, Lord that I bring to you. Here I am, Lord. Here I am to worship. Take all of me. Take all of my past. Take all of my fears. All of my failures. And use it for your glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website
1: at www.shofar.joberg.com.